You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We see like you. We embrace your worldview. In Jesus' name we've asked and received. Amen. Amen. Good evening, church. Good evening, everyone. Okay, so guys, you're going to have to help me because I'm not up here, so I do not have... Is it a bird's eye view now? I have um, well, I don't know what this one is called, but yeah. So the people on this side, may I please ask that you come this week? Can we just converge and you know come together? Please, thank you very much. I know on Wednesdays we typically like to just take our corners so that we're not disturbed, you know. In fact, I get the sense that on Wednesdays, you know all that, oh, talk to your neighbor, hug your neighbor, tell your neighbor I love you. It's like when we come on Wednesdays, we're not, we're not there. After a hard day's work, you know, maybe some bashing, some bass boost from your boss, you don't really, you're not really in the mood to hug anybody and shake hands with anybody. But for tonight, may I ask that we just come together, okay? God is here. He's here. If you have empty seats beside you, you can get someone to sit beside you. Or maybe they are angels occupying those seats. Yeah, you can sit here. Okay, would you just smile at the person beside you and ask if they've had a lovely day? Hello, Tolu. <laughs> I hope you had a lovely day. Awesome. Okay, let's do this. Um, so my first question, how many of you are rich? I know some hands will go up by faith. I thought some people try and clarify what do you mean by rich? Rich in thousands, rich in dollars, yen, CDs. Which one? Pounds? Correct. So how many people are rich? Okay, just a few. How many people are aspiring to be rich? Aspiring to reach somebody. Timoni, which one are you? You have you, you have blown. You're not just rich. <laughs> okay, it's it's interesting that you know when they say oh rich. Okay, how many people feel tensioned with all these 30 under 30? Thank you for your honesty. Like you'll be looking at yourself. Okay, Jesus, I'm how many months to 30? Can I make this list? Let me, let, me, let me walk hard and aspire for the 35, uh, under 35, or 40, under 40. Interesting. Okay, so this month, we're going to be discussing money. I'm sure if, a few of you might wonder, but we're talking love. How did money enter the matter? We find that it's something very crucial to God's heart, apparently. And I will show you from the scriptures. It's something that he wants. He's, so we know that we have a father who is very mindful of us, including our finances. So he's not just concerned about our spiritual well-being. Even our lives here on earth matter a great deal to him. Because it's important that we are representatives of him here. We are, you know, we, we live like the ambassadors that we have been created to be by reason of our identity in Christ. We are God's children. We are God's own. We bear his seal. He has his mark on us. And so when we step out, we need to, you know, represent our father. So it's important that we get our finances in order. And we find that for us young people, I mean, there's so much going on in the world lately. In fact, let's, let's not even talk about the world. Let's localize the conversation, you know. How many of you are still investing in uh, treasury bills? <laughs> How many people? Oh, some people don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, get ready to be educated this month. Not, I will not do that education tonight. Okay, um, so I, I, I want us to, to be geared up. Um, as we talk love on Sunday and we discuss how to relate one to another, 
you know, how to be, how to love like Jesus. It's also important that we understand God's perspective on finances and wealth in general. Okay, so both will go hand in hand. Invite your friends. It promises to be an amazing time this entire month. Next week's, uh, next week Wednesday, we would have um, money personality assessments in service. Okay, so we will sit in groups. We would have just people who sit with us, and um, when we do those assessments, we'll debrief them in our groups. We'll just talk about our money, emotions, and just different things. We'll do that. Um, we have someone coming to speak to us as well on investment opportunities for young people much later um, in the month. So there are quite a number of things we have outlined for us, and we trust God um, that they would all achieve their purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... When I was growing up, my understanding of, of riches, of wealth, of money, so I'm going to use those words interchangeably. For those of you that are grammarians, don't, don't dwell on it too much. That is the difference between wealth and riches. It's okay. Just follow me as I use those words, okay? But my understanding of wealth as a child was based on, uh, I mean, I grew up in a very, very regular um, middle-income family. My parents were civil servants. My dad worked for the government. He traveled a lot, yada, yada, yada. However, I, I mean, so you know how it is in Nigeria, middle-income class family. You have one car, max, maybe two cars. Once you start to have three, you're like not, no longer middle class, you know. You, your parents are okay. Um, but my, my definition of money, just growing up, childhood, teenagehood, was defined by the things that I saw my friends have or the things that I didn't have basically. So things like having a driver to yourself. You have friends who come to school. Their drivers are bringing them to school. Parents are not accompanying them. That was like the life, you know? And so you that your parents are dropping off. Then once in a while, your father's driver takes you to school. You, you just want everybody to see you. That you came to school with a driver. It was a thing. I, I mean... I was going to say for some of you, maybe it's not a big deal these days. Everybody, every child has a driver, you know. But growing up then, it was not a... You had to make, make a certain type of amount of money. Anyway, so once in a while, my, my dad's driver would take us to school. Um, and then when my parents take us to school or pick us, it wasn't as fun, you know. So things like the kind of parties you could go to, the kind of um, brands that you wore... I mean, in my school then, we had guys that would wear, right, I mean, this, this is not a, it's not an issue, but our uniform was white on green. And so the white shirts, people would wear Tommy Hilfiger shirts, white shirts, you know, with the, sorry? What do you call it? <laughs> what, what, what is it? No, 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 be wise, what's that? No, 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 no. So not your inner, your shirt with the crest, crested shirts, yes. So they wore crested shirts as uniforms then. And we knew them. They were like your Richie Reed. The people that made, made it into the yearbook as Richie Rich. Richie, uh, what, what there was the male one? Anyway, male Richie Rich, female Richie Rich, you know, we knew them. And they were always dating each other. Uh -huh. Yes, the rich, <laughs> the rich boy would date the rich girl in school, you know? It was so, all of that, my, my, my understanding of wealth was shaped by what I wore, you know, who I rolled with, you know, the kind of, even the lunch that you brought to school. You know, if you, <laughs> in primary school, if you bring Capri Sun to school, your parents were okay. I used to bring Capri Sun, interestingly. And it was, so my parents were, yes, I could claim that, but I did not have that understanding. Because I used to sell my Capri soon. <laughs> yes, I used to sell my Capri. I had a girl in school then who always made it a point of duty to buy my Capri soon for five naira. Why? Because, so in primary school, I didn't used to take money to school. My parents, I would talk about my parents. My parents were very frugal. So you don't take money to school. You don't take cash. So I did not have access to cash until like, maybe like literally my secondary school. But... I was just, I had friends who had cash, and so they could spend anyhow, buy suya, buy different things. Me, packed lunch boxes every day. Why? With your, everything complete, fruits, your veggies. It was boring. 
And so I made it a point of duty to sell my capricorn. And the day my mother caught me, so one of the day I did the trade, I did not spend the money. And so there was money in my school bag when I went home. Alas, my mom, in the course of checking homework and so found the money. Hi, Holy Ghost. I'm alive to tell the story. That's just a summary. But, you know, she came to school. So my parents were like that. She came to school because for her it was important to understand. She couldn't believe that I was selling my Capri soon. It just sounded strange, you know. So she followed me to school. I showed her the girl I used to buy the Capri soon. She had a word with the girl, you know, for buying stuff from a fellow student. Yeah, all of that stuff. But anyway, just growing up like that in that kind of... Um, my father, we used to call him a, a British economist. He was not an economist by profession. But he had lived his life so long in the UK that everything in my house literally was... I mean, we're not measuring power and all that here, but he had that mentality. So you don't um, leave lights on when you're not in a room, you know, and all of that stuff. And of course, that informed how we could access money from him and all of that. Fast forward to when I got into uni. By this time, of course... Freedom, at last, That's, this was the first time I was leaving home. I went to Unilag, and for me, it was a big deal. But by my 100 level, I had given out my books money. Used, I paid somebody's school fees. I had funded somebody's visa fees. I was just living large. My father had it coming, you know. One day, he sent for me. We had a meeting in school. He showed up unannounced. We went to my bank, printed out my bank statement, and we had a meeting. And you know, I mean, I got beaten as a child, not even just beaten, beaten up as a child. But in uni, for the first time, I mean, the experience is still with me, because the things my father said to me, I mean, he didn't say, you are mad, you are stupid, no. But he said things that left a dent in my heart, you know? Because we looked at my finances, by the time my father was done with his red pen, analyzing my finances, even myself, I came out of my body like, ah, you must be stupid. <laughs> you know, I felt really foolish. I felt this could not have been, no way, I can't, it's not possible. You know, I was arguing with him. I mean, the, the numbers do not lie. They tell the story. I was arguing with my father. It's not me that, ah, no, you withdrew this money. What did you use it for? And you know, for every time we got to, what did you use it for? I struggled to remember. I couldn't. I just know I was making me withdrawals. I mean, the big chunks. I knew, okay, yes, this one. I, and this, my friend didn't have complete school fees. I gave her money. And my friend said, my roommate said she wanted to apply for visa. She, she wanted to borrow money. Has she paid back? No. When is she paying back? I don't know. I looked really foolish. And you know, I started arguing with my dad at some point. Because I said to him, but daddy, you pay people school fees. He was like, you are not earning you, you are not making money. It's not your responsibility to pay anybody's fees. You know, and he kept on and on trying to educate. I'm like, but you pay people's fees. I see you do it. Blah, 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 blah. God, Jesus said it's good to give. Something, something, something. So you're giving stupidly, you know. But anyway, suffice to say that I'm older now and wiser. After a career of about eight years in risk management, I almost became an akagom. You know, because when I'm even giving out the bank's money, trying to approve a credit facility, it's with an understanding that the, man, the money is not coming back. You know, so I ask all the questions that need to be asked. But let's say now that I'm, I'm quite balanced uh, in my view of money, and thank God for the scriptures. And so tonight, I want us to just do a quick check. I'm going to major on two points. There's a lot of stuff the Bible says about money and about um, just finances and um, God's perspective on wealth. So for the benefit of those who like to know what the topic of the day is, just let's call it money matters, okay? Um, so when we started LifePoint, we had something we did with prayers. We called it anti-definition. So what prayer isn't? So I'm going to quickly say the things that money isn't. And the first thing is money is not a bad thing. In Christianity, um, it's almost as though, especially in, in some Orthodox churches, it's almost as though when you talk about money, 
you know, you are greedy. When you talk about money, you are covetous, you know, or you, you, you are seen in a certain light, but absolutely not. Money is not a bad thing. And I will prove it to you from the scriptures. First, there are over 2,000 scriptures that address money in the Bible. Over 2,000. Secondly, Jesus speaks more about money than he speaks about heaven or hell. And then the third thing is that about half of his parables, of Jesus' parables, address money, the concept of wealth and God's position on it. So that's, we, I mean, we can safely summarize that God is very intentional about how we live our financial lives. Let me put it that way. What we do with the financial resource that he has given to us, he's extremely um, concerned about it. We find people say things like, oh, you know, money answers all things. We say, you know, with money, you can do anything. But we find scriptures that contradict that um, mentality about how very involved we have to be with money or how that, you know, your, our lives should be largely driven by our wants and our desires and our needs. Okay? The second thing is that money will not solve all your problems. Hello? I'm sure quite a number of us know that. There was this joke I saw sometime, you know, some lady said, oh, they say the rich also cry. But you know, it would be nice to cry in a Bentley. It's okay to cry in a, you know, to cry in a, a mansion in Banana Island. The rich, they, they are crying. Let's cry well, you know. If we're going to cry, let's cry well, you know. Um, better to cry rich than to cry poor, you know. Um, however, the truth is money will not solve all your problems. In fact, I put it here as all. I, I, I qualified um, because I'm almost tempted to say money will not solve your problems, but I recognize that there are some problems that money can address easily, easily. In fact, there was another joke I stumbled on, something about um, two people praying, a rich man and a poor man. The poor man was asking God for 10K or something. The rich man felt he was, the poor man was disturbing him. Just give him the 10K. Can you just free God? Let me have your slots, you know? It's interesting how people put up all these money jokes and, you know, how that oh, God is a certain way when it comes to money. But the truth is God is fair. He's fair to all. He's just. He's a just God. He will not deny himself or disown himself or change because one person has a bigger need than the others. His principles are the same. Okay, um, so it won't solve all your problems. Sometimes it makes your problems bigger. Because if your problems are fundamental issues, if your problems are character issues, money does not solve it. Money amplifies it. Okay? And same thing with your opportunities too. If you're a generous person, for example, money makes you more generous. Then the third thing is that money will not make you happier. So if your desire, if the reason why you are with God, that you have, you know, takuti jesu, as my Yoruba people will say, the reason you have stuck with Jesus thus far is because you want to blow. And the reason you want to blow is because you believe that you will be a happier person. I prove to you tonight, or I put it to you tonight, that's not going to happen. Money would amplify what already exists. So if you are an, an unhappy person, or let me not even use the word unhappy, if you are a crazy person, money will make you crazier. Yeah. If you are already a, a jerk, you are nasty, money will make you more of that. It won't make you less. I find some people say, oh, no, don't worry. When, I, when, I, when I'm rich, I will behave a certain way. When you don't start to practice, they say where you are going to, you, be, you start to behave like that from now. If you do not have a heart that genuinely cares for people, if you are not now a generous person, it's tough to say when money comes, I will become a generous person. When money comes, I will change. I will stop being so angry. 
Because money will not walk into your life and just like the, the, the flip of a switch, turn your life around in terms of your character issues, in terms of the things that God is dealing with, you, you know, dealing with you over. No, not at all. If anything, money would amplify those things. So if you were a proud person, you will become more, what's, what's the word now? Is it prideful or more proud? Yes. You are arrogant. <laughs> you will become more of an arrogant person. Is there your shoulder pad will be like this? Up. Sorry, pin. A hair. Crane will be holding it. You know, so let's just get this thoughts out of the way. And let's go back to the beginning. So what, what, what did God even say about wealth? Where did all of this even emanate from? What's God's perspective on wealth? Let's read Genesis chapter 2 um, from verse 4 to 5. I'll read from the NIV translation. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plants had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. Now I'm going to paraphrase that um, verse 5 again. I say, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. Why? Because the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. Why had God not sent rain? Because there was no man to till the earth. And so God will delay his work of creation. He will pause it. Why? Because the other factors that were required for a productive earth were not in place, primarily man. And so from this scripture, we see that God's intention is for man to work. God created man to work. God meant for man to work, to get his hands busy. You see, my problem with religion, having been a religious person for quite a while, is that religion hinders us from thinking. I hate religion. Religion does not help us become who God ultimately desires for us to be. Why? Because the religious mind believes that it is okay for me to sit and expect a miracle. It is okay for me to sit and trust God and have faith and, you know, say all the things that the Bible says to say and to do without corresponding action. But we see here that the author of the universe had a completely different plan concerning man's ability to earn, man's ability to generate an income, man's ability to be productive, man's ability to contribute to society. And so we see also in Luke chapter 16, just writing on that initial scripture from verse 1 to 3. Remember I said there are like 2,000 scriptures. No fear. I will not read all the 2,000. But there are quite a ton of scriptures on money, on wealth, on finances. So Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. We see here, the, I mean, this was a parable of Jesus. And he was essentially saying, guy, you are not performing. You are not doing, you've been assigned a responsibility. And here you are failing at it, wasting primarily, wasting resources. You will be removed and replaced. So we see that even God, I mean, through Jesus, approves of replacement when we are not pulling our weights. Where we are going to tonight is just helping us understand the hindrances sometimes or the limitations um, to our financial success. The things that stand in the way of us, you know, um, living the lives that God has called us to when it comes to finances and wealth and making the most 
of those things that he has given to us. This guy here, the, the issue was he was wasting resources. He wasn't pulling his weight. And Jesus said he was going to, he needed to give account and he would be replaced if he was found wanting. How can we, as God's children, avoid waste? First off, before we talk about even avoiding waste, what are the areas in your life that you currently know, in your finances, that you are wasteful? What are those things? I mean, when we have our small groups, and some people are chuckling already because they know. When we have our small uh, our group session next week, we will drill down a bit more in there. But you by yourself, do an assessment. What are the areas that you are currently wasteful? And I'll give you an example. So I teach low-skilled and low-income women financial literacy. I mean, these are uneducated women, market women. And so when we're doing bookkeeping, and I'm trying to explain to them the reason why they need to at least maintain records of their spend, just so that they know what's coming in, what's going out. I always use two examples. One is Coca-Cola, Coke. The second is nail painting. I mean, those of us in Lekki here, we paint nails for, when we, we polish, sorry, sorry, it's polish. We do our mani pedis at, you know, in some salons, almost 10K, some salons more than 10K, some salons about 5K, depending, I don't know which, what, you know. But I say to them, oh, they paint their nails in the market and things like that. So it's usually about 100 naira, 200 naira. I think it's hand and leg, now it's 200 naira or something. Yes, in the market. Yes, baby girl. Um, a bottle of Coke is what? 100 naira, 150. In fact, I remember my last class, and one woman vivid, she, said, she doesn't one yellow, it's a like cold woman. She, she does not do cocoa, no. Her own is, she mentioned the name of the beer. I never heard it in my life. But of course, when I'm with them, I roll with them. Myself, I form like, say, I know. But she mentioned that, that that one, she must have one bottle every day, minimum. Some days, three. <laughs> so I said to her, yao, yare. I said to her, hmm, okay, let me stick with Coke that I know the price. Because it's your own, I don't know. And just... Mere calculating, you have a bottle of Coke. And guess what? In fact, this woman, they don't, it's not Coke they drink. It is big cola or Pepsi or Robo. Yeah, so those, some of you guys are very posh. You don't know those things. But there's the big Pepsi. Those are the things they drink. And it accompanies every meal. Yes. Yes. All those women that sell lace and all those things. It accompanies every meal. And so I said, conservatively, you do one bottle. A bottle is about 150 naira or so. In five days or seven days, let me say six days, because you don't work. Maybe there's one Sabbath day that you have. In six days, it's a certain amount. In a month, it's a certain amount. In a year, it's a certain amount. In 10 years, you have drank your destiny. You know, and just doing that calculation, I, you, I always see their faces. In fact, that's part of my class that I love. The faces lit up, you know, light up. Like... Oh my God, I didn't know this. So your own is not coke. Your own is not um, nail polishing. But you know what your own is. So do an assessment. Now, I need to point out here. So I, I mean, I have a mentor who has a ton of houses, has a very good job, and loves his coke. You, that your salary is just barely above minimum wage, and you are drinking coke, every day with the person that is drinking Coke and has houses scattered all over Lagos and London, you know it is not the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not the same. The comparison is not the same at all. If he likes, he can have 10 bottles of Coke every day if his health permits. But do you understand what I'm getting at? What is that thing that you are currently indulging in that is seeming like a leakage in your finances and you are not mindful of? Why? Because the money is negligible. It is negligible on a daily basis. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you sum it all up, at the end of a period, it becomes substantial. And you look at it and like, actually, that could have bought me a ticket to, for a vacation. You know what it is. So think on it. Okay? And so how do we avoid waste? We need to budget. We need to plan. 
you have got to plan. God is not against planning. If Jesus would say, would a man, you know, embark on the journey of building a house and not consider the cost? Will he set out to build a house and not consider the cost? And that is how we behave sometimes as Christians. We will set out on a journey, not counting the cost. We would not budget. We will not plan appropriately. And then we'll get stuck and start to expect the God of miracles to show up. Not because there are in times we should undertake faith projects. I need to clarify this. There are times the Holy Spirit nudges us in a certain direction that our human minds cannot handle or comprehend. That one, it is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know God that has set you on that course will sustain your vision and he would, you know, cause it to be fully manifest. He will provide the resources that are required. But on your day-to-day living, that he expects you to be a faithful steward and account appropriately, if you are using miracle to, do, to live the life too, don't we think that it also gives God a very funny per- perception of us? I mean, he knows us. But when he's expecting that ah, you come to church, P.I. will talk, he will crack joke, he will call Ibado, call Bini, you will not hear anything. You will still be living your life like this. Guys, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Scripture says he was imp- who, he who is impulsive. This is your light, so your clock is lying. No? The time people gave me was very small. He who is impulsive exalts fully. And if and fully is full in action. That's what fully means. You are impulsive. Some of us we are impulsive spenders. Don't worry, when you do your money assessment, it will be clear who you are. Whether you're an avoider, you are, you know, you spend on impulse. Some of us, we follow emotions. Well, we follow, the, not even emotions, bandwagon. All your friends are buying loops. You say if you want to buy loops. Your salary, it's loops is like two years salary for you. But it is a vision. You want to buy loops. Loops that will diminish, that will rot, that will spoil, that can be stolen. You will remove your shoe in the presence of God in a campground. Before you come, one leg is gone or the two legs are gone. May the Lord help you. Okay. So, just thinking about yourself. Sometimes we're very disorganized, especially where our finances are concerned. We're organized in other areas of our life. But when it comes to money, there's just this thing about, oh, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My father is the maker of heaven and earth. You know, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the all in all. Your father ain't stupid. No, he isn't. If anything, he's not a waster of resources. And we see that. Jesus exemplifies it for us. Jesus would feed the 5,000 with meager resources, very little. By the time he multiplies it, he would say to disciples, pack up. Some of us in a bit to flex, we leave it, we go and eat. You are hungry, you will go and eat with your friends. You will not finish the food because you want to make a statement. Oh, what is that thing? It's not polite to finish everything on a, on a plate. It's not socially correct to finish what is on the plate. Ha. When your father, Jesus, your brother, will say, pack up what is left, and they had 12 baskets full, you, you will now say it's not, you know, you don't want to be seen as a gluten, like you, like you overeat, especially the ladies, you know that it is who I'm talking to. You want to impress a guy. You will now pick, knit, pick, eat, small, see, and leave it, and waste his money. <laughs> waste his money. Meanwhile, you are setting yourself up. He's looking for wife material that can manage resources. You, you are there, needs picking. Just eat a bit of chicken, take two spoons of rice, and leave a full plate. I'm done. May the Lord have mercy on you. Okay. And so, in, in our disorganization, and sometimes incompetence. We have a library there full of books that you can arm yourself. There's so much information on the internet. 
I mean, you will sift through carefully. We have professionals in church you can engage and just ask for wisdom on how to manage your finances. You will not do anything, but you will be praying to God. God, give me more money. This one that I am earning is not enough. I need more. I, you start calling forth figures. Maybe your per annum now is maybe three million. You start to declare, Lord, I'm earning triple, 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 triple times three. And the father is looking at you like, don't you get it? The one you are collecting, what have you done with it? How faithful have you been in this little? How, how judiciously have you spent? How have you turned it over? How is it earning more? And you know, the part that even just gets me is when we then decide to get into debt. And you know, by virtue of my profession, I've seen quite a number of very funny reasons why people come and apply for loans. Very funny. Some you can attribute to a lack of planning. That if you had planned properly, you would not be where you are today. I mean, I don't take it that um, I, I don't um, discount the fact that life happens. Yes, life does happen. Sometimes emergencies happen. And so you spend your savings, you know, on something that you didn't plan for. And so you need to pay rent or something happens and then you need some extra cash. Absolutely, that happens. But where I'm going to is when you have to get into debt for a vacation... Please, if you do not go on a vacation, will you die? According to, um, please, the economists in the house, help me. What are the basic needs of man? Thank you very much. Did, is vacation, did vacation make the list there? Yeah. A bit ish. Now, let me tell you something, guys, because I'm one for taking out time to just go and relax and distress. If you have worked hard, you can go on a vacation. Not that you have been lazing around and then you think it is okay for you to just, you know, go and borrow money and go on it because I just need to go on a vacation. How will I not go on a vacation? I've had a hard year. Hard year doing what? Hard year doing what? Oh, the economy has been so hard. Lagos has been so hot. Hot? Really? But if you're going, if you've had a hard year, if you've worked hard, do you understand what I'm saying? If you've worked hard, God will not be upset with you that you take your savings. You say you want to go and buy a ticket to travel and just go and, you know, relax, get inspired for the new year. How many of us had uh, PFA's uh, God experience? Ah. <laughs> when you have hammered, you can do like that and just vex. It's, things are hard. Just buy a business class ticket and go away for a month. But did you hear? The, did you hear his growth trajectory? Did you? Did you? When you are listening to that, I hope it's not that uh, he bought business class ticket. You just hung up and you started making the prayer points. You did you hear his story? The man was making money. He was working hard, so he could go decide to vex and buy a ticket and go away for a month. But my point is, some of us borrow money to do these things. You borrow money for Ashwebi, or you go and buy Ashwebi, it's not your wedding. You are not the bride's sister. Must you wear Ashwebi? I don't have a problem with it, too. Before you come after me, I say it's because I don't wear. It's not that. It's just in the spirit of being judicious, being faithful stewards, because that is what God is calling us to. That is what he expects of us. That that which he has committed into your hands, before you are tripling it in the spirit and making all your declarations times four, times ten, that you will be faithful so that you can give something, give God something to work on. And so when the favor factor wants to rest on it, there is something for him to work on. There was something P.I. said some time back, you know, when we ran a similar series. And he said, if we ask you to bring your bank statements now, and you do an analysis. We will see where your treasure is. Well, be where your heart is. Because where your heart is is where all your money has been going. So in your mind, quickly do an assessment. 
what accounts for 60% of your spend? Or let's even say 50, even 40. If it is food, God help you. <laughs> if it is entertainment, take the girls out, party. You're the one that we buy all the drinks in the club and all. God help you. I hope you know when the Bible says be, God loves a cheerful giver. It's not that kind of cheerful giving. No. The one that you're going to be buying drinks and making, getting people drunk. Let them be drinking away their destiny. It's not that too. Where is the bulk of your finances going to? Some of you, Bible speaks about being rich towards God. This is how you are to God. Akagom. Akagom. This year has got to be different. It's our year of new beginnings. And so we need to view our finances very differently. Very, very differently. Okay? If you're faithful in the little things, you would have access to more. God is, and you see the interesting thing is this, guys. This, uh, these principles, these financial principles, do not apply to Christians only, apparently. So you find that some of the most successful guys in the world, they're givers. They're very generous. They're philanthropists. You know, they give out stuff. Because God is looking for people to be his hands and his feet on the face of the earth. He's looking for people he can commit resources to and he's sure that they would utilize them for the good of mankind. But your own, when you sleep and you daydream or you sleep, you have vision. It is true you are seeing. You are seeing clothes. You are seeing cars. You are seeing houses. Everything is about you. You are very self-absorbed. God, when you're knocking on the gates of heaven, all you're asking for is me, myself, and I. God will bless you because he's faithful. He's your father. He will bless you. He will give you what will suffice to meet your needs. There's a clear difference between our needs and our wants. Sometimes God will not give us what we want all the time. And that's the truth. Either we're not mature enough to handle it. When I met my husband, I mean, it was one of the things that kind of like made me just love the guy more. But... There was a prayer he used to pray. God, don't give me the kind of wealth that will make me forget you. The kind of wealth that will make me just... Some people... You've not seen money. You haven't. I promise you, you've not seen wealth. But there's a kind of wealth that you can get into that can make you forget God. And so if you are desiring, I want to be wealthy, I want to be wealthy, and you don't even have plans... And these are the kind of conversations I have with you. When I'm asking, making demands, because I follow what the scripture says. Bible says, ask, you will receive. So when I make demands, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, what do you want to use it for? Break it down. And so I'm allotting, this is what I will do with this. This is what I will do with it. Okay, so still on just talking about competency and just generally being more organized with our finances, the question I would ask you is, would you hire you? Would you hire you? Because sometimes we come to church and we pray for our bosses. God have mercy on them. We pray for our bosses and it's as though they are the ones with the problems. But as you are by yourself, God comes to you and says, I'm setting you up as an establishment. I'm making available these resources to you. Would you be confident to hire yourself? If you respond, yes, fantastic. If you are not sure, please dig deep so you can address those areas of concern. If it is a no, you have work to do. Okay, so the last point I would like to just dwell on a bit. I'd spoken about it also, I mean, just earlier. Uh, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6 to 7. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You see, we can't talk about finances without talking about giving, guys. I know that there's a lot of talk, especially last year. No, was it last year? 2018, you know, there was a lot of attack on the church about giving. We'll talk about giving in our smaller groups as well. You know, giving, the concept of tithing and all of that. So please bring your questions to church. 
But you see, it would be foolishness not to talk about giving. Because remember what I said earlier, God is looking for hands and feet on the face of the earth. He's looking for people that he can commit resources to that would utilize them for the benefit of mankind. He's looking for families that he can attach to you. Families that will feed off you. Families who, you know, you will be responsible, responsible for in a way. People that you will send to school. You know, hospital bills that you will pick up. He's looking for those channels. You are looking for money. God has greater plans. You are looking for, you just want to pay your house rent. You just want to be okay. You want to be able to take two vacations a year. Just have a decent wardrobe. Be able to party. You know, be okay. Have one nice car. Maybe two if God is so kind. And God is saying, I'm calling you tomorrow. I'm calling you tomorrow. Okay? So that scripture is beyond just giving to your local church. It's not just, oh, come and give to life points. By all means, give to life points, guys. We have work to do this year. That's the truth. There are souls to be saved. There are programs to be organized to save these souls. And you know that we are a very interesting demographic. So we cannot just say, let's do open air campgrounds or camp meeting and all of you will come. People are like that. You will not show up. But if we say, oh, let's, let's you know, bring in somebody, let's party, Let's, let there be food. Some of you will show up. So, that scripture is not speaking about just giving to your local church, okay? Generosity, I believe, is a spirit. There are some of us that need to address this in the place of prayer. Your heart, I, I, I honestly don't know, but while just preparing, some of the things that came to my heart was maybe because of nurture you know for some people it's nurture it's a function of how you grew up and so you are not as open-handed some people it's a fun it's a function of nature you believe that you don't have enough to be able to give you're not making enough to be able to give and so you don't give some people don't tithe i mean aside from the fact that you maybe you don't understand why you should but because you feel like you're not making enough to be able to but there is something that guides my tithing, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience. The interesting thing is I don't even do a, a tithe, which is 10%. Me and God, we roll more than that. And it is out of the fact that I trust him with my finances that he will take this little that I am making and he will multiply it. And so I can entrust, for me it's an act, it's a covenant. I am entrusting my finances into his hands. That's why I do it. I am trusting him with that I will not lack. That I am divinely provided for. That I have sufficiency in all things. And I abound unto good works according to what the scripture says. So for me, it's a father-child covenant relationship. That he's got me. And that is why I can go an entire year and my children are not in hospitals. My husband is not admitted in a hospital. There are certain things that our money does for us that we have no idea of. When you give into the lives of people, who can, especially those who cannot pay you back. So I'm talking about when you resource, you know, the indigents, when you resource people who do not have the capacity to earn and even say they want to bless you. The words that they are speaking for you is like you sow your seeds upon many waters. Guys, be generous. Please tell somebody sitting beside you, be generous. Be generous. And you see, I love Christianity. I love the Christian faith. Why? You see, because there's nothing God is calling us to do that he has not modeled for us. There is nothing that he's asking us to do that he has not already done. And I put it to you categorically that you cannot outgive God. Because he already gave us the best gift ever, his son. That you and I can sit here today and have these types of conversations. That you and I have an assurance of a hereafter. So you cannot outgive God. So if you are still doing your money like this, my money. It's because you do not know who your father is. It is because you have not come to an understanding of who he is and what he can do for you. Because when you understand what God, you know, who God is. And the vastness of the resources that he has, you will be like this. Sorry, I'm very rash today. Just forgive. Is that the message is doing me? 
you will open up completely to him and say, Father, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. And the reason why I find that our generation, we are easily depressed is because we are looking for the things that we want. We get anxious very easily. They say we are a microwave generation. We want it like this, sharp, sharp, fast, fast, quick, quick. And that's why we get into the wrong types of investment schemes. And when we lose money like this, as if the, our world has ended. It is because we have refused to trust God with our needs. When you get into that place of trust and that relationship with God, where it's not, you know, there's a way it's a, it's a partial relationship. When you say to him, okay, this part of my life, this part of my life, yeah, you can have. This one, we're working on it. That this year, in fact, from this month, that you would open up completely and let God heal your finances. Let him heal your heart. Let him fix your heart. Let him change your mindset and your perception of money. That you realize that money is just a tool. A tool. It's a resource. It's a tool. It is not it. God is it. God is everything. And when you have God, you have everything. Jesus never lacked, oh, guys. He may not have ridden a Bentley. That's because he did not exist in this time. But he could, whatever he needed was at his beck and call. It was available to him. So much so that he did not flout the law. When he needed to pay taxes, he paid his taxes. He did not lack. And so if Jesus did not lack, then we should not lack. How you fight greed, because greed is a, is, um, it stops being generous. It's the opposite of being generous. It's, um, help me with the word. It negates your ability to be generous. Let me put it that way. The reason why you are not generous sometimes is because you are greedy. You know, you just want to have it to yourself. It's a self mentality. And so I want to challenge us today. That as we go through this month just discussing love, that we will be generous on purpose. Can we practice generosity? Can we practice generosity? When I was speaking about my um, experience as a credit risk manager, and I said how that it made me, it, I began to view things very differently. For example, I mean, before I would have been content just seeing, you know, some guy on the road. It looks like he's hungry. I can give him money. But at some point, I began to ask, look at you, you two hands, two legs, and you are begging. Why? Why can't you walk? If you go to mile 12, you will do a carrier. You will carry load, load carrier. If you do something, you will do something, you know. Until I got to the place and just, I had to practice just Holy Spirit. Yeah, go, give. Sometimes it's just even practicing it and not even waiting to be nudged to just say, I'm going to give. I'm practicing sowing my seeds. I'm practicing giving. I'm giving. I'm giving. My hands are open. I will give. Practice it. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. You don't know what it is when you sow into the lives of people, you know. And I'm very emphatic. It's not, it's not, we're not, this is not a call for you to bring money to church. Honestly, it's not. If you do, God bless you. If you don't, God bless you. It is that you would practice generosity and let God rule over your finances. That is what is critical. That you would let him rule over your finances and you would submit your finances to him. That it's not that big thing that you keep away from him while he has control of other aspects of your life. Okay, so I'd like us to pray. I like us to pray. Let's just thank God. Bible says he's the giver of all gifts. He's the giver of good gifts. Let's thank him for grace. 
to be the people that he has created us to be. And, you know, in that same vein, somebody needs to speak, begin to speak to God tonight about the state of your heart and money. There's someone who money for you is, is a God. And scripture says you cannot serve God and serve money. No, you can't. One has got rule over your life and your heart. So if you are that person who's still struggling with, you know, wealth, struggling with your understanding of money and how you feel like without it, you are nothing. God said, are you, are you saying that my blood that was shed for you is nothing? Because if you believe that without money, because you do not have money or you don't have enough of it, means that you are not good enough. Some people have lost their self-confidence because they feel they don't have money and they're just waiting to hammer. You're waiting for money so that you can be all that God has called you to be. And he's saying no, not at all. You find yourself in God first and he commits the resources into your hands. So would you ask tonight that God would change your perspective on, on finances and money. He would help you understand godly wealth. True wealth. True wealth is the wealth not the one that we keep in our bank accounts or we, we keep under our pillows. It is the wealth that goes to families of the earth. And that's why we make it our confession in church. That as we give, we are channels through which God's blessings flow to the families of the earth. Those are the people God will commit resources to. Those are the people that God will bless. People who are ready to give. People who are ready to solve problems. People who are ready to make life better. And in the same vein, I need someone to begin to speak healing over their finances. You've experienced this, a, a, a season of drought, a season of dryness. Would you ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what you need to do? To see what you need to do to correct it. Uh, I, I sense very strongly for someone, it's a function of your words. You have been speaking the wrong words over your finances. And God will say to the children of Israel in Numbers, that as what I hear them say is what I will do. It is as though the heavens are closed over you because of the kinds of words you have been speaking. Words about, you, about worthless, worthlessness, words about not being enough. Words about not having enough. Words about, you know, being in a state of perpetual lack. Even before they ask you, you are the one that volunteers to say, oh, I don't have anything, no. Nothing, nothing. Shishi, nothing. You know, day. You need to repent tonight and ask that the mercy of God will prevail over your finances in the name of Jesus. That we break the hold of the enemy. We remove every oppression of the enemy concerning your finances in the name of Jesus. And we declare that you are a fruitful ground. You are fruitful. Your life is fruitful. It is raining upon the fields of your life. In the name of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. To begin to speak the right words over your finances. That you begin to declare words of life. Words of healing over your finances in the name of Jesus. And if you are here, you are trusting God for an open door. We agree with you tonight. And we declare that the Lord will do for you that which he has proposed in Jesus' name. That you will not, you will not be crushed under the weight of this process. That all that God is doing, it will be manifest. He will perfect the good work he has begun in Jesus' name. We agree with you that your story is changing in the month of February. That you will testify of God's faithfulness in the name of Jesus. That you will not lack. You will not lack. You will not lack. We put an end to lack in this house. We declare over every member of Life Point Church, an end has come to lack in Jesus' name. I want us to take these declarations. Thank you, God, because you love me. And your promises over me are true. I make these declarations in faith over my finances in the name of Jesus. I declare that I am blessed wherever I go. And in whatever I set my hands to do. My bank accounts are blessed. My investments are blessed. My business and career are blessed. God's blessing has been commanded over me and everything that I own. 
I always have a surplus. I have enough to spend, to give, to save, to invest, and to be a blessing. You lead me to invest in profitable ventures that glorify you. And so I reap a hundred times as much as I sow. Wherever I go and in whatever I do, God opens up the treasure houses of heaven on my behalf. My investments yield bountiful results. And all the works of my hands are fruitful and prosperous. I declare that I lent to many nations and I do not borrow. I have godly wisdom, good judgments, moral courage, and astute common sense. The Holy Spirit guides me. He gives me wisdom to devise inspired plans and knowledge of witty world-changing inventions. I am a faithful steward of resources. I have abundant supply according to God's riches. I am rich in good works of extravagant generosity. I am always willing to share with others. I declare that I am a flourishing tree planted by God's design deeply rooted by rivers of living water. I bear fruit in every area of my life, including in my finances. I am the head, never the tail. I am a leader. I am never dry, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and just celebrate Jesus? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG. 